0: I'd like to introduce to you our speaker this morning. Uh, many of you know him. Um, he's been a reload leader here for a number of years. But please give a warm welcome to our brother, our friend, Skip Lunkor. Skip, come on up and uh, share what God's put on your heart for us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Good morning, men. Good morning. Good morning, man. I'm not going to do that again because usually somebody good. They want to. More arousing response, but that was awesome. I look around here and I'm glad the lights are in my eyes because I, I, there's a lot of guys here today. Um, thanks for the worship. The blessings to our children and our children and their children. Um, we're here for a reason this morning, man, and uh, it's not just to listen to me, but I do have a message that. Uh, Um, I'm going to warn you, um, Pastor Tom wasn't sure that he was ready for that, but um, I believe I'm supposed to be up here to speak on a series, but there's going to be other things happening, and I may, if, and I say a series, if I have the privilege of being able to come back again. Um, That's got to be with the understanding that uh, I am able to come back. Um, So I I brought a couple of things, and my friend Bernie back here knows, this isn't Mary Poppins, but it's, it's a short one because my wife, this is my wife's, um, I need to hold it. This is an umbrella, and what I'd like to say is, it's not going to be here long. This is part one, what I'm going to be speaking on. is part one in a series, and it's a, the umbrella is every one of these parts that I speak will come under um, a quote. And it was, came from uh, a guy named St. Uranus. He must be quite old because I'd never met him. Um, you'll find the, the quote in the very beginning of a, a book by John Eldridge about uh, um, yeah the men, um, wild at heart, and uh, the quote is the glory of God is man fully alive. And as I look around here, I see some I see some smiling faces. I see some guys that came in with their with their shoulders back, and, but. There's some things I need to talk about with us all today, um, so the title of what I'm going to talk about is called simply "Greetings," and I'm going to try and have a little fun with it. So bear with me because I'm going to go on a little rant here a second. Um, my example number one, and some of these things have uh, I've embellished them a little bit, just to maybe make it more humorous and maybe uh, maybe really make it more real. Because I believe all of us have. Have had these days. So my example number one is when somebody's walking by and they say, How you doing? Hey, how you doing? I go to last week, just last week alone, when I got ready for reload. The night before I set the alarm. Something woke me up in the morning. And I rolled over as I usually do when I wake up and I got on one, one elbow, and I looked at the clock on the corner in the nightstand, and it, I set it for 5.30, but it was already 5.35. I'm late. So instantly, my mind is like a computer. It's a little bit older and slower, but... <laughs> I rolled over and looked at, over the top of my wife, who's closer, and it's her typical. It's her responsibility. When the alarm goes off, she gives me one of these and tells me, get up before it goes off again, or I'm going <laughs> to... So... As I looked at him, five minutes late, instantly my mind ran to, she didn't take care of her responsibility to get me up on time, and I'm five minutes late already, and I'm going to have to speak fast because it only gave me 25 minutes. But here I'm looking over there, and I'm already programming this thing, and it's her responsibility to get me up and what's going on, and I, I'm, now I'm late, and I, so I got up and walked around the bed and going to flip the alarm off um, so that she wouldn't hit the snooze again. And I realized the little red button that said on. Was not, and I set the alarm, but I didn't turn it on. So now it's all on me. So I spent the next five minutes repenting because all of this was under my breath. I did not speak it out loud. So as I went through the repenting, then I had to take another couple of minutes to bless her. Right. Now I'm free. I'm ready to go. Turn to walk out the door, and my right foot... The little toe on my right foot caught the bedpost, and I instantly—I'm trying to be quiet. Instantly, the squeal came out of me, and it kind of—I think—probably resembled something like a 300-pound pig that just got poked in the butt with a marshmallow fork. And my wife sat straight up in bed and said, "What was that? What happened?" And I said, "It's okay, honey. I don't—I don't think I broke anything. I met my toe, but just go back to sleep, honey. I'll be—I'll be back later." So now I'm running close to 15 minutes late. So I skip the coffee, get dressed. I'm on my way here and I have three traffic signals to go through or to negotiate. I'm away and wouldn't you know it, on this day, I get all three of them red. Now I'm getting anxious because I'm running later and I, get, and I get here 10 after 6 for 6 o'clock early prayer time. We chat and have a prayers. But... Just prior to that, I'm getting out of my car in the parking lot, and a jogger. At that time of the morning, what's the matter with him? But a jogger going through the parking lot, and the first thing he says is, he's, how's it doing? And I wanted to just scream, I don't know how I'm doing. I'm barely ambulatory this morning. You, if I told you everything that happened to me right now, you'd fall down and cry. But I didn't. I came back with our normal response. Hey, it's going awesome. Hope you have a great day, sir. Thanks, I will. Thanks for asking anyway. And then I come in. And what we do a lot of times, I put on the smiley face, and all is well. But Then I have another example that came to me. that just happened this week. I'm in Myers, and I'm, these long aisles, I'm, I'm down in the middle not in the middle this way, lengthwise. I'm in the middle, and there's a fellow coming toward me. Um, he's walking quite rapidly, and I looked. Oh, we met, uh, our eyes met, and I looked at him. Vaguely, vaguely remember. You ever say that? He, I think I knew you. And his eyes met mine, and it was like mere image. He said, without saying word, I think I know you. And then as we're really close to each other, How's it going? And I mean, he's still just, how's it? it? I don't know what it is. I don't even think I know you. I can't. And he's, when I turned around to try, because I'm working on James. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And so I, how's it? And I didn't say something like, and he's walking away, but I turned around to say something that I thought might be, reasonably okay. Um, He's already cleared the end of the aisle. He turned left or he turned right. I don't know. But I'm not chasing the man down to find out what it is. Before I got out of that aisle, I realized I've been retired for a little over 20 years. He worked in my department once upon a time. And then I recall, I never really cared for the guy. He was kind of a jerk and maybe more like me than I thought I was. But... (laughs) I realized he didn't really care for me all that much. So now I'm in trouble. What's it? 20 years, I can't remember what it is. So I had to look up the definition. I just wanted to, to see what it meant for me when somebody would ask me, how's it going? So I found out that it is a pronoun used to refer to a thing previously mentioned or easily identified i don 't know about you, but something that happened twenty years ago I ain't got no clue. so what is it so now I'm gonna, i 'm going to you get my idea about how I care about greetings of how you 're doing and how it is um, so i 'm going to try and settle down from my rant, speaking a little quickly, and my blood pressures rise and I, so I'm, I picture my a woman maybe going into labor and she 's they teach you to breathe, so I'm gonna do that a second because I don't. You you deserve better than this. So I, and I let it go. And then I think to myself, what bothers me about that? Define it. How are you doing? I, I believe some of us have had a pretty rough start to a day at some point, and somebody says that, and you before I even got here, I already cussed out my wife under my breath. As soon as somebody asked me, how you doing, I told them a lie. <gasps> so I'm all good now, I did all my stuff. But in the end, I want to say the rant is finished, but during then, just two days ago, my wife handed me a little book, and she said, here, read this. I had no clue it was going to have anything to do with today. But um, the book is one of her things about God loves about you and why I love you too. Uh, maybe the jury's out on that part yet, but maybe because she handed it to me. But uh, number 25 of the 100, God loves the way you light up a room. Uh, I don't think she's handing that to me right now, but... Matthew 5, 16 tells us, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the little page that they wrote to go along with 25 reads like this. People know when you mean it. When how are you is more than a polite passing question. When let me know how I can help is more than an excuse to walk away. When your smile reaches your eyes and the words come from your heart, people know it. They know it by the light. It fills the room, chases away the shadows, and shines brighter than any star in the heavens. It's the light of God's love, and you let it shine through your life. He loves you for it. I really liked that when I read that. It um, kind of settled me down to why I get so irritated. But I like that, say, for me, If you have a few moments and you really care, I would prefer that you would say to me, how's your soul? How's your soul today? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be polite, we shouldn't be nice with a smile or anything else. I want to go to the depth of what it is. How's your soul today? Because that's where we're going to live. I'm afraid to sometimes until somebody really cares enough and gives me a smile and tells me it's going to be okay. I I I want to hear it. The devil uses people to damage us. Jesus uses people to heal us. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. I love those songs today. It's all about you, Jesus. So I would say if somebody asked me about my soul, or if I were to ask you, I hope we'd say, now we have something to talk about. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't want to talk about doing it. I want to talk about now. So now we have something to talk about. We have something that I believe would get into a deeper relationship where love is bonded, caring is bonded, healing is brought. But I'm gonna tell you it's gonna take some trust. You want me to bear my, you want me to tell you what's really weighing on my heart? It's heavy. And I know some of that happens at these tables. I'm not saying it doesn't. But there's a lot of men in here. And we're just a little bit withdrawn, a little bit reserved. And we're carrying a weight that Jesus never meant for us to carry. He also said in Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. My heart is that every one of us walk in the fullness of that glory to the best of our ability. So I'll go back to the to the uh, trust in just a few minutes. Got a couple more little things to do before that. But I believe I've heard it several times, and I'm, I hope some of you have heard it, that the uh, there was a saying that... Uh, the eyes of the windows to the soul. I tried to look that up in the Bible and I couldn't find it. That wouldn't be my, normally my first place to start, but I looked and I didn't find it there. And then I, through my search, I, uh, I found that it really originated with a guy named Billy Shakespeare, or William, I guess that is. <laughs> and I believe it's been proven true, the eyes are the windows to the soul. Has there been anybody in the room that we attend Rez uh, that you went through the Freedom Series uh, a while back, and it's been stalled, but they want to do some more of that again? If you've been through the Freedom Series, you know that uh, there was a book by John Hampton, Think Differently, Live Differently. It was awesome. My wife and I had read that prior to a, 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 being coming into the church, and we were also then a member of a small group that we used that book, and there was amazing things happened in that small group by going through that book together. So I would encourage you, if you don't have the book, find it, read it, and be prepared, if you haven't been to freedom training, the next time it comes around, dive in with both feet. It's good stuff. <clears throat> but then there, then there was Kairos. It's a part of that freedom stuff. Anybody been to Kairos? One, two, three, four, five, hey, a few of us. <clears throat> if that comes around, guys, go for it. But I will tell you, I want to warn you, there's a a little caveat to that. There's one of the sessions that had a two-minute exercise. Two minutes, that's all it takes. But what what we were instructed to do was pull up a chair across from another man or a woman with a woman. But we pulled up close enough that we could get there within a foot and a half to two feet at max, eye to eye awkward for us guys we, we, usually when we're talking to somebody, if it's a woman our eyesight is usually between the bottom of the ribcage and, and the collarbone and we never look them in the eye but if it's a guy we're, you know, hey they, 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 they. <clears throat> sitting there for two minutes seems like forever but I'm going to tell you for me it's true the eyes are the windows to the soul. And when you went, for the first 15 seconds, you kind of want to giggle, you kind of want to feel uncomfortable, and then suddenly something happened that it became real. You saw the pain. You saw joy. you saw You could read somebody else's mail. Through that experience, I know that man in two minutes, and he knew me better than Spending a year in an archery league. Spending a year in a bowling league. Spending a year in a golf league together. Or even maybe a, a spending a whole year in church, attending church together. Two minutes was all it took. We all want to be known. We all, just, just like my wife said, I want to be seen. I want to be known. That's all it takes to feel loved. And I think we all... Would be wise to seek that, I want to skip a whole page here. it would be a known way early, so it makes sense when I go through that exercise that 's why women can sit and have a cup of coffee in the last four hours. They look at each other in the eye, they, they, they talk about the heart, they talk about issues that make fun and they, and they talk about the kids, they talk about their husbands. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but when they're all done they walk away feeling full she gets me i can't wait to go back and spend time with her that's how women do and us guys i believe most of us if we're honest if i'm honest i spend a lot of time afraid to deal with this it have been hurt before i've been wounded i've had darts i've had daggers I, deal. Jesus sent people to heal me. And I thank God I'm able to stand up here today and do this. So I want to put a smile on my face about that. It's a good day for me. Us men, again, we we won't take that time. Not all. Please, not all. But the mass, We're busy. We got this and we got that. and We've already been hurt and I'm not going to risk that again. Women will risk it over and over and over again. And they find life. They find a friend. They find... So you get where I'm going. So I want to go back to the trust that it takes to get there. To look a man in the eye. Say, How's your soul? Let me see. Don't, don't say a word. Just let me see it. Let me see it, Ricky. Let me see it. Cause I want to cry with you. I want to laugh with you. I want to be able to love you because I need it myself. So, when we go to trust, how do we do that here at Reload? We come in and sit at the tables, and, and this isn't intentionally. I believe we, we need to come in. We can't just take it for granted that I can trust you, Dave. We can't take it for granted. might hurt me but when men come together and verbally a handshake used to mean a, a give a word but if we verbally say i'm going to commit to you in a covenant that whatever you release and whatever you tell me about yourself whatever your story is it's a sacred story and i won't share it with anyone unless you give me permission some of that may have happened in this room already, but if it hasn't, it should. It'll open the door for freedom. Here I am. Here I am. Jesus, heal me. Heal me through these guys. George, Jason, use them. I'm tired, I'm worn out, I want to be full of life. I want to be fully of glory a lot of work to be done by us men out in this world. It's, it's hurting right now. Healed men, heal men. So also when I said it takes trust, <clears throat> we've all been we've all heard it was I'm not gonna trust you until, or I won't trust you until, or if it's been told to us, we've said it. <clears throat> and I believe that's a myth. Yeah, there's, there's some, we, we have to use some good discernment. But I'm here to tell you that I believe trust is given. Distrust is earned. When we truly trust someone, we're, we're free to do it. We're free to be what I'm asking or what I'm suggesting that we do here. So here's the deal why I say trust is given. If I have to earn your trust, man, I'm going to fail. I'm going to admit it right now. I'll fail. I or we are not circus animals. I can't jump through enough hoops. I can't walk the tightrope long enough. I can't be good enough long enough to earn your trust because you will have a bar that I don't know I can reach and I'm going to try to perform to make it. Whether I've made it or not, I won't know. I'll feel like a failure. And here I go around that circle again. If you don't trust me, I can't trust you, and I'm, I'm back all locked up inside, and you're not gonna look me in the eye because I can't let you see. I think somehow, I believe some of us have felt that way in our lives, whether it's in our marriage or whether it's with our boss or whether it's something else. And I never want, I've said it, I should have started with that probably. Never compare anything about my life to yours. But if you relate to some of the things I'm talking about, we got something to work with. Mm-hmm. we got something to share. So I'm going to submit to you again that trust is given, distrust is earned. I've already mentioned how we could do that here at Reload, come into covenant agreement with one another. And when a new man walks in the door, a new face walks in, hey, you're new here. Make sure he knows the ground rules. This is what we do here. You're safe. You're safe here. Because when somebody comes in the first time, we've all been here, we've seen somebody, some of us. I came in here hurting. I came in here scared, and I needed somebody. I, I heard about this. There's hope, but they need to know they're safe here, and this is why. We agree with each other in that area. So that's what we call, what I would call, a covenant that we'd make. Um, holy man, I'm gonna. Vicky's gonna be proud of me. She gave me a 25, maximum 25 minutes. Skipping, you better be done, or I'm... Uh, we'll pull the plug. <laughs> I just want to leave you with a couple of things. A couple of scriptures, and I'm not usually one that says scripture stuff all the time, but, uh, but the first one is not scripture. Something that was said by a man named Norman Cousins. The tragedy of life is in what dies inside of a man while he lives. The death of a genuine feeling. The death of inspired response. The death of awareness that makes it possible to feel pain. Or the glory of other men in yourself. If you couldn't write that down fast enough, I'd urge you to uh, look up Norman Cousins quotes and uh, write that down and ponder that for a bit. Hebrews 12:1 tells us that therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us the reason I've talked about so much of this stuff today i believe in my heart that we're, many of us are weighed down the things of this world right now. Listen to the news. And we talk about this, anybody, whatever it is. It sucked the endurance out of us. I'd asked from the beginning, when I told Pastor Tom, I think I have something coming to, to speak about, and I didn't even know what it was. But I asked him, what do the men need? He said, tell them never give up. Which brings me to a quote from one of my favorite persons, was Winston Churchill, who during the middle of the war told his country and told the world, never, never, never give up! We need to be set free, man, so we can run with, with endurance. I'd like to take a moment of silence now because I want to leave you with another quote from Winston Churchill. I'll bring a little lightness to it again because I've been pretty heavy, I think. But he also had a quote said, Any speech or any sermon should be like a woman's skirt, should be long enough to cover the subject but short enough to keep your interest. So I'm going to put my paperwork down right now. And I say, I hope and I pray that God has touched your heart in a way that when it says part two is coming, that you come in here with desire to be set free because it's going to be good. Not because of me. Take a moment of silence and just think, how's your soul? Next week's questions are going to be short and simple. I hope you all come back prepared. Thank you very much for your time, man.